What's up, everybody? It's Miles Turner, the Indiana Pacers. You're listening to the Pacers Podcast. Be sure to follow at Pacers on Twitter. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Pacers Podcast, the only Australian NBA podcast with a bias toward the Indiana Pacers. Three preseason games down, two wins since we bought you the last show with Jeremiah Johnson. So plenty to talk about, but didn't really look terribly convincing in either win against sides that weren't really fielding their best teams. Uh, the best players on the team uh, of Indiana tended to get the most minutes, which uh, means that Rick Carlisle was pushing his best lineups or his best players that were available. And we'll talk about more injuries as well later on the show. But uh, Alex, I'll start with you. Um, didn't really seem all that convincing in victory today against the Grizzlies. Uh, kind of led for most of the Cavs game, but you wouldn't necessarily call the preseason overly impressive for the Pacers so far. No, nah, look, uh, you know, to be, I will say both teams today were without basically their entire starting lineup. So I take really nothing out of this game. I mean, that Merrill guy is not going to have a 30 point performance this season. Mm-hmm. And if he does, it will be against the Pacers. So maybe that's what you should take out of it. But um, <laughs> uh, I, I thought it was the interesting thing to me today was seeing that he ran with Sabonis and Turner separately during that fourth quarter. So it seemed to me like he wanted to figure out how they worked with the second unit. Uh, you know, he tried to finish with Miles on the defensive end. Then we saw Sabonis uh, more throughout the middle of that fourth quarter. And uh, look, uh, I'll leave this one for Justin, but Chris Duarte, man, that's all I'll say. Yeah, he's. Uh, I mean, I called out. I, I've been a big fan of him since draft night, and I, I'm, I'm, I might have to prove you two wrong again because you two wanted Moses <laughs> Moody. So this might be uh, Aaron Holiday all over again. Um, and I, I know your two stance. I'm not throwing you two under the bus. I, I know, I know where you two came from it from an age perspective. So I, I do totally understand and agree with that part. But yeah, boy, he, he looks fantastic, doesn't he? I mean, Quinn Buckner on the on the TV. He actually mentioned he could be our best shooter. Like already, um, yeah. and he, he that step back three he hit. Geez, that uh, you know you don't want to compare preseason rookies to anyone, but boy, did that look like Clay Thompson? Like he he looks really good. I'm high on him. I just purchased my jersey, so um, I'll, I'll tweet that out on the Pacers account once it gets in my hands. But Adam, how how good's the rookie? He's amazing. Look, I, I think. Uh takes a mature individual to, to admit when you're wrong. And I was, I was dead wrong. I was dead wrong about this kid. He is incredible. He is everything that the Pacers clearly thought that he was when they made the choice to draft him. It was a brilliant choice. Uh, the front office should be lauded for picking Chris Duarte with, uh, with that 13th pick over a guy like Moses Moody, Moody, Moses, Moody, Moses, Moses Moody. <laughs> um, that, uh, that, you know, project 19 years old. Um, but as we said on, you know, shortly after draft night, the great thing about the draft is that not only did they clearly get the player they were after, but they also got the 19 year old as well. The project, the, the guy that is, uh, is going to catch lobs. The pay, the Pacers mm. had an alley-oop in this game. Alex, can you, for the first time in maybe it? 20 years, mate. <laughs> oh, I, I could like, not it's, believe it's the first it. Thing- even um yeah, even Chris and Quinn were, were literally right after that play happened. They said, "When was the last time the Pacers had a lob threat?" Uh, I we we talked about it a few podcasts ago. It seems like forever. So, I love watching Jackson play on both ends of the floor. I think Goga. We've talked at, at ends about Goga. Sorry, but uh, yeah, he's in more and more trouble the more I see Isaiah Jackson play. 
Yeah, we'll, we'll get to get to the downsides in a minute. I want to focus on the positives <laughs> and uh, some positives. Isaiah Jackson can play with either Domas Sabonis or Miles Turner and can defend. He can defend on the perimeter. He, you know, he and Miles were a force to be reckoned with for a couple of minutes there offensively and defensively. And then it only lasted for about 35 seconds, but I really enjoyed it. And I want to see more of it in the last preseason game to see how those guys play together. But, you know, that's the sort of guy you need beside Domas Sabonis in the starting lineup. If you don't have a Miles Turner, you need a guy who can block shots, who can get steals, who can guard people on the perimeter, who can allow Domas Sabonis to sit back a bit, to get boards, defend his man, you know, that's the sort of player that you need beside either of it. I mean, the great thing is the malleability of it. I I mean, I will, I will sing Chris Duarte's praises till the cows come home, but Isaiah Jackson could play with either of our bigs, depending on who we choose to keep. Could he not, Justin? Oh, a hundred percent. And like Alex just mentioned as well, I, I think Goga is in some trouble because Isaiah Jackson looks terrific. I think his jump shot's going to take a little while to work on, which is fine. He's only 19. I think sometimes he, he shot a few mid-range shots today, which kind of didn't yep. look didn't look terrific. But yeah, uh, Ali Lob, it's funny because I was actually going to message you two this morning saying, hey, why don't we run a competition where the first Ali dunk of the season will give away a Pace Roos jersey? Um, because it's been so really long happened. in the first... Yeah, the first person to tweet us after a lob dunk or something because, yeah, I, I cannot remember when I've seen one. So, um, yeah, fantastic seeing that today. And just want to point out as well because, well, probably I've been a bit critical <clears throat> in the last few years about him. I think Sabonis's jump shot looks a hell of a lot better yes. than it has the past few years. Like it used to be real slow and like clanky. It wasn't fluent. I feel like now when he takes threes, I, I used to cringe when he'd take a three. I was like, oh, boy, here yeah. we go. But... He's obviously worked on it. He, I, I'm fine with him shooting threes now. It just it looks a lot better. I don't know if you two agree. Yeah, it looks more natural. It's I think the word fluid you used there was was spot on. I think his action is a lot more fluid than it was. It was a little bit jerky before. There was a yeah. clear sort of one-two motion in his jump shot last year and in previous years. Whereas now it's it's all in the one sort of gather and and shoot. So um, I think the the mechanics of it have clearly been something that he's worked on, and that's to his credit. Um, he's clearly gone away and worked on that part of his game. And now you're right. When you sort of see him uh, go up for a three-point shot, you feel a little bit more confident that it's going to go in. And and that takes the offense, the offensive capabilities of this team just to a whole nother level. If, if that's a shot that he can hit, even at a league average, I mean, or slightly above a league average, like just to be a threat from there is... Um, tremendous for spacing because we will need all the spacing that we can get because I need to talk about the downsides and there was not enough perimeter offense on this team. I mean, there were so many moments in the second half where we had, you know, bench and and rotation players that were, were on the floor. I saw a lot of passes around the perimeter we tried to penetrate against the Grizzlies bench and we just couldn't get anything going really in, in the second half. I mean, I think we, we gave up, I think it was a 13 five run at one stage there to, to Memphis and almost on every offensive possession I saw, we were struggling to get any form of penetration at all uh, aside from when the ball was in Domas's hands. And even he got blocked a couple of times at the rim because it was so obvious that he was the only one that was going to take the shot. So I was a little bit concerned and Rick Carlisle was pretty uh, clear uh, after the game that it wasn't 
he wasn't really happy with the team's performance despite the win. And Justin, you you tweeted out on our account that you were really impressed by that comment. Can you go into a bit more detail about that? I think it's it's something we want to see from the coach, a bit of realism. Hey, you've hit the nail on the head. I, I, I thought it was interesting. Uh, we're going to get back on the social games and pace for a bit in the offseason. We've been a bit MIA, but I, I, think, I thought that was a great quote from Carlisle. Um, I'm trying to be nice here again. I hate bringing up last season, but I think what Pacer fans dealt with last season, listening to post-game press conference, you knew we weren't getting the 100% truth. Um, and a lot was hidden. You, you knew stuff was going on in the locker room. And it was just refreshing as a fan to see Carlisle come out and say how it was. Um, you know, no one's going to be upset with the quote. He said, you know, you, you don't want to push away a win as a loss because that's not what players want to do. If you go in and start yelling at the players after they won. Um, But yeah, it wasn't, wasn't a fantastic game. They they should have probably won by more um, with the squad Memphis run out there. So yeah, early impressions from what Carlisle's kind of doing is, is okay. Uh, I think we've got a lot to work on definitely defensively, but Look, that's what the preseason is for. Um, we've got opening night against Charlotte in about a week's time. So uh, let, let's just pray. I know, Adam, you said we'll, we'll touch on it soon, but let's just pray we've got half a starting lineup that's ready for that game. Yeah, because 60% of the starting lineup is currently on the injured list. I mean, obviously, Karis LeVert um, is, is not on a long-term injury list, but we don't have an update as to when he may be available. TJ Warren... It's going to be a long time before he's available. It sounds like it's not going to be until Christmas, potentially the new year from what we're reading and seeing. He's he's barely, you know, a participant uh, to the level that he needs to be at this point in, in training camp. Uh, and then Malcolm Brogdon pops up with with an injury this week. And Alex, it's it's more of the same. And it's, you know, there's there's nothing more that anyone on the team or any of the staff can be doing to put these players in a position to succeed. You can't, help these injuries, but it's nonetheless frustrating for fans. It's, uh, it's Groundhog Day, man, every year. Normally, we uh, we wait till about halfway through the season till we get the injuries. This year, we've just said, no, you know what? We'll, we'll get it out of the way early. So um, it's funny. I feel like I talk, we talked a lot about wing depth a little bit on the show, and that's been a big talking point for the Pacers. I feel like 70% of our wings are injured already. I mean, even yeah. Keelan Martin has gone down with one, so... Uh, yeah, it, it's rough out here for the Pacers, man. Hopefully, I mean, best case scenario is Brogdon and Levert play opening night, um, which I'll ask you guys this. If if that is the case and there's only one starting spot open, who gets it? Is it is it Duarte, do you think? Oh, that's, that's really tough because I think that the hardest part for me is the fact that our first choice small forward in TJ Warren, our second choice small forward in Justin Holiday they're not available. So do you slide Karis LeVert to small forward and play an undersized lineup? Um, In which case you would think that that would go with Jeremy Lamb in the starting lineup and bring Duarte off the bench, even if I think it's probably should be the opposite to that. But um, I think it's probably more likely to be Torrey Craig, who we saw today in the starting lineup, just for the size and the defense and the fact that, you know, if Karis LeVert's coming in cold, no preseason games, no training camp, then uh, he's not going to be able to necessarily go with the best wing player. And you then can't expect Duarte to do the same uh, or necessarily Lamb to, to go with the bigger wings either. So you probably want to start the defensive guy because you've got a lot of offense on the floor. Justin, what do you think? 
<clears throat> yeah, I agree. I, I actually, I don't think Levert will be available by opening night. Um, but I'm just going to put it out there. I actually agree with everything you said, Adam, but I, I'd love to see Duarte start. He's been our best performer in preseason. He's looked like the best player on the team um, some nights. So I, I just think, you know, you, you're probably better off keeping Lamb off the bench uh, to have that scoring yep. punch that he kind of gives you. You see what he did in the fourth quarter. I speak to Jeremy Lamb. I think he scored 14 points in the last or yeah. something like that. Obviously, kind of hit the go-ahead game winner. So uh, shout out to him. Obviously, we don't know if he's going to be on the team long-term, but um, yeah, terrific game by him. I, I just, you guys know, I, I actually think I've mentioned it in all 81 of our podcasts that our bench unit needs to be improved. So I'm all about kind of um, having having as much scoring off that bench as possible. Another week of the NFL season means another shot to win big at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. New customers can bet just $1 on any NFL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a point. The last 0-0 tie in the NFL was in 1943, so I'd say this was a no-brainer. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, DraftKings won't leave you empty-handed. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code TPPN, throw down $1 on any NFL game, and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a point. That's promo code TPPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only, new customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required, one per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. I feel like there's an Old West scene coming with Jeremy Lamb and Chris Duarte standing, you know, 20 feet away from each other. Holsters at the ready. This town ain't big enough for the both of us. I mean... <laughs> The, the issue that we have is that when Levert comes back, you've got Levert, you've got Lamb, you've got Duarte, three players for one position. And really, you, you're going to be looking to play Levert, you know, 28 to 30 minutes, and you need to give Duarte the extra 18 to 20 that will come from that. Um, and Jeremy Lamb will, I think the risk that we have with how good Duarte looks is that he doesn't get enough minutes to be able to build on what he's built in the summer league and in the preseason. And with the greatest respect to Jeremy Lamb, that is the pathway to success for this team moving forward. Developing, it's always been the pathway to success for this franchise uh, in the past. Developing young players that we've drafted into great players. And the only way that we do that is by playing them, I don't think you can play Duarte and Lamb and Holiday and McConnell and Brissett all together on the bench. And then all of a sudden you run out of players. So you run out of minutes and you run out of spots. So um, there's, there's a real log jam in terms of the rotation player um, uh, rotation, I guess you would say on this team. Uh, not at the top end, though, at the rotation or the role player end. And, and it's sort of a pick your poison and Tory Craig's in there as well. But Alex, I think there's going to have to be some harsh decisions made by the coaching staff on who to play and who not to play um, even before TJ Warren comes back. Yeah, and you're already seeing that. I mean, O'Shea Brissett's had a really tough time getting getting time on the court this preseason, which I'm disappointed in. I think you saw it today. He, he came on and made a couple of plays right away where he got to the line, uh, made an and one, then hit a three on the wing. So 
I feel like he's good for those plays every game. Um, but let's be honest, this is a good problem to have. Like, first of yep. all, let's just say that uh, it, it is a very good problem to have too much depth, if you will, at one spot. But I think that with Lamb having one year left, I don't see him coming back. So, look, do you try to trade him? There were the rumors in the offseason. If you can get something for him, I think you have to look at that because, which the Pacers have never done, by the way. I mean, we could have done that a couple of years ago with Bojan and Thad. Uh, so so I do, do not think they will actually trade Lamb, but look, if the opportunity arises, I think they would be uh, remiss not to do it. I don't think they'll trade Lamb until they're convinced that they have a healthy backcourt. I think that's that's probably yeah, that's true. Yeah. the way that I would look at it. I mean, Justin Brogdon and, uh, and, and Karras have not been able to stay on the court together for long stretches of time through to, you know, due to a series of different injuries and circumstances beyond their control. Um, I can't see this team making a significant move to move out a veteran like Jeremy Lamb unless they have confidence in health, right? Yeah, to- totally agree. And, you know, we've mentioned this the past few years, but I think all fans and probably staff and Pacer players all, all just want to see this team at their healthiest. This is the year they know. So bonus mentioned in a uh, preseason um podcast that you know he knows this is their last go at it they can't run it back next year again no matter what no matter what happens with injuries you can't be running it back again so yeah i think we just want to see the team the healthiest uh you know brogdon could have got injured again in training well he did because you know apparently his uh role for opening nights questionable now so you're just thinking oh my god like I don't know. I just want excitement from this team. And I think that opening night against Charlotte becomes a lot more exciting for me personally if Duarte is starting. Definitely. There's one more game against Cleveland at Cambridge Fieldhouse uh, in a little under 48 hours time. Alex, I'll start with you. What's the one thing you want to see in that game? Uh, taco four minutes, mate. That's what I want to see. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, oh, I don't know. What do I want to see? I guess just just more Brissett, more of those backup guys. I think we don't really need to see much of uh, Miles and Domas in the fourth quarter again. So yeah, I'd like to see uh maybe the uh, the end of the bench, Dwayne Washington, get him some minutes. Why not? Justin, what do you want to see from the last preseason game? Uh, no injuries. That would be the main thing. <laughs> um, but apart from that, it would be yeah, Duarte continuing to dominate. Um, yeah, I'd love to see him keep shooting the ball as much as he likes. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Just get through the last game healthy. So, yeah, we are, you know, we got to – everyone talks about this. I, I, I want to talk to you too about it as well. Like this – everyone says Pacers got a tough schedule to start the season. Like I've heard it throughout the Pacers and a lot of personnel. I, I've looked at the schedule. I actually don't think the schedule is tough at all to start the season. I might be wrong, but I've looked at the first two months. I think there's a lot of games Pacers can pick up easy wins – as uh, games against Detroit, um, you know, the lower lower conference seeds in the East. I think, you know, they're saying they might have a pretty poor record come December, January. I, I don't believe that. And my expectations for this season are quite low. So, um, yeah, I'm looking for them to start the season pretty hot this year. I think so. If you look at the first month, I mean, you got at Charlotte, at Washington, two very winnable games versus Miami. Miami's a playoff team. Milwaukee's a playoff team. So they're going to be tough. At Toronto, Toronto could be anything this year. Could be really good or could be really bad. Brooklyn's obviously going to be great. Toronto again. So I mean, you've you've got a real opportunity to start what four and four from the first or three four and three from the first seven games of the season. 
leading into November. So I don't really see it being all that tough. I mean, then you've got San Antonio, New York, Portland, you never know, Sacramento. Um, so yeah, I, I don't really see all winnable. Terrible, yeah, all winnable. All winnable games. There's a couple of couple of very clear, tough games against teams like Milwaukee. Um yeah that you you don't give you and Brooklyn that you don't give yourselves a great chance of winning, particularly if they're fully fit. Um, but aside from that, I think there's some winnable games there. And so there's some games that we can steal from teams that uh, are also sporting pretty new and young lineups like Toronto and Charlotte um, and Washington for that matter, that turned over, you know, half its team. Um, and I think uh, there's some real opportunities for the first part of the season, particularly with the continuity we have, in the front court. I actually want to see all the starters rested for the last preseason game. To be frank, I want to see all the young guys play. I want to see some Kiefer Sykes action off the bench. He, uh, I think Scott Agnes tweeted out earlier today that he's been the most consistent shooter in practice. So I want to see him given a, a couple of chances to make open shots. I want to say, see some uh, Isaiah Jackson, O'Shea Brissett minutes to see if they can be a little front court duo together at a small ball level. Um, I want to see Duarte have the ball in his hands from the first possession and be sort of given the opportunity to run the offense for stretches. I just want to see kids in the last game. Uh, I think that's a really good opportunity to uh, go up against a really young Cleveland team, win or lose, and just see what you've got and see what works together really well. You know how the starters play. You know what their strengths are. Um, this is an opportunity uh, to see what else you could do and what else you've got. So I think you rest... Um, all of the starters and Jeremy Lamb uh, and you roll, roll out all of the uh, the role players and the extended bench players for an opportunity to make the team um, like you want to make and Sykes, et cetera. So that's what I want to see. Um, but we will come to you after that uh, last preseason game, which is on Saturday, our time, Friday night, your time in Indianapolis. We've been the Pace Roos. We will see you in a couple of days. 